Hello, everyone. My name is Tracy Siska. I'm executive director of the Chicago Justice Project. I'm also host of the Chicago Justice. So thank you so much for tuning in. We're going to get to our guest in a minute. Our guest today or in a couple of minutes is Desmond Yancey, who is from affiliated with GAPA, the Grassroots Action Grassroots Alliance for Police Accountability. And we're going to get into that and all the things that have been trials and tribulations with that. Um, I he, We intersect a little bit because I was part of the or group of organizations that helped create COPA and create uh, the Deputy Public Safety Inspector General. We met with people from GAPA a couple of times. Um, and also I was involved with the group that actually reformed the police board, such as that was back in like 2011 when Ram just came in. But before we get to Desmond, I want to talk a little bit and update you a little bit on what's going on with the Chicago Justice Project. For all those interested looking to get involved and uh, get your hands dirty in advocacy and transparency work in Chicago. We have CJP Nation, it's a new project we started up, and it's basically bringing together like-minded people to help us advocate more strongly for transparency and accountability in our justice system, both in Chicago, but nationally. And we're taking a national approach, we're expanding, but we, we look at it as going into local justice systems. So we're gonna target the top 25 largest cities in the country, and then also D.C. because that's where I'm coming from. And we're going to work to open all of their data like we're doing in Chicago, but to work and open all their data and their local criminal justice systems around the country. So if you're interested, email info at Chicago Justice. Let me tell you what we're doing. We do advocacy work. So this is going to be tweet storms. It's going to be letters to the editors. It's going to be emails to public officials to get them to engage with us, but also to pass legislation we're pushing and to push transparency and accountability. We also do crowdfunded research projects if you're interested in helping out with those. We have uh, four of those ongoing right now with multiple volunteers in each of them. And we're also looking for social media ambassadors, help spread our information online. And tomorrow morning is a big hit for us. It's our first one. We're going to use our social media ambassadors and our CJP Nation as we announce the filing at a 10.30 a.m. press conference, which will be streamed live right here on our Facebook page and our YouTube channel. We're announcing um, the filing of a multi-count FOIA um, lawsuit against... Um, one of the more progressive leaders in our police accountability system, but who just refuses to open up. So we're announcing that in the press conference, 10.30 a.m., live streaming here, but also tonight we have a meeting for CJP Nation. If you want to get involved helping tomorrow's press conference and going forward, uh, email us up, email me and um, Sydney at info at chicagojustice.org, and we will get you the link to the Zoom meeting tonight and all the information to help us engage um, our target tomorrow morning, which we will reveal tomorrow morning. Also, I wanna just give you a little update on what's coming up public uh, for our research. First of all, we're coming out with um, um, how CPD sends their money. We have some information that we've been able to open around staffing and around cost of police officers. So we're gonna come out with, I think, a six-year look from 11 to 17, how much the CPD spent on staffing per district. That's the first of its kind because you've never had the staffing data available to do it. We're also coming out with a police misconduct filter shortly thereafter, which is going to be around looking from 1980 forward. How have the police accountability system, what is the likelihood of police officers held accountable for something? If you listen to the FOP, and I'm sure Yancey has things to comment about this, 
Um, it does when it has something to comment about this topic, but if you talk to them, they think accountability is ever present and they're always falling at the pitfalls of the system that doesn't work. In reality, the data tells them a completely different story. Don't buy into the propaganda. We're going to show you what the science shows. And lastly, our, a thing that we're actually publishing very soon, and hopefully we'll have a town lawn later in November, is on rape kits. Sounds a little something that's not talked about a lot and that's a problem the illinois state police very quietly started a rape kit tracking system so victims when they submit to a rape kit they get a tracking number they can go online now theoretically and track how the system is processing their rape kit well not all the hospitals are involved so that's one issue but also what's a huge issue is that there's not data across how that whole system goes over the course of a year so it's not just one kit. We need to know how all those kits are handled. We need to know as best as we can the demographics of those victims because we need to see where disparities are happening. We know from the advocates on sexual assault and domestic violence, especially sexual assault, if you're uh, most of the assaults are of um, acquaintance, acquaintances, which means the victim most of the time knows, I mean, the victim knows the offender, right? If you talk to advocates in Chicago, women of color, when they go to try to get a charge for someone who's assaulted them that they know it's an a victim, uh, an acquaintance assault, hardly ever gets prosecuted. If you're a woman of color that doesn't necessarily speak English as your first language, forget about it, never gets covered. That needs to be come out and that needs to be pressured on and we need to know what these agencies are doing. So we have a great intern, Rachel Bloom, who's gonna be publishing in November two pieces, a data brief on all the data that's involved in this and a deep dive into the legislation. There's been a lot of legislation over the last 10 years. Our governors from Bogoyevich to Quinn to Rauner, and um, so far I think from Pritzker, although they're facing massive money challenges, have never put in the money to get rape kits tested the way they should and to get repeat offenders, if not 100% um, off the street, but into treatment, just finding a way to use the system to stop these uh, victims from being assaulted. So that's the research that's coming out. Once again, email, email me and uh, Sydney at Info Chicago Justice if you're interested in the nation. We're more than happy to have you tonight at our meeting and tomorrow as part of our nation to push our um, push the agency that is not playing nice when it's about transparency. So that's all that's new with CJP. I'm going to give you a little background on our guest here. Desmond Yancey is from GAPA, Grassroots Alliance for Police Accountability. It's a little background when the when the Laquan McDonald videotape got released, which I think was November 24th of 2015, if I have the date right, or it may have been 2016, 16, yeah, 16. Shortly thereafter, groups around police accountability and community organizations started organizing on different different uh, differently, but coming together and trying to find ways to push reforms to stop things like the Laquan McDonald murder and all the things we've had in the last hundred years um, from happening. I was part of one of those. I was Chicago Justice Party was part of it. We were involved in the group that helped write the legislation that created COPA and the Citizen Office of Police Accountability and the Deputy Public Safety Inspector General, which if you've tuned into this show, um, the current one, Deborah. Whitsburg has been on our show twice. I'm talking about some of the great research they have done. Um, GAPA was a um, on a different track, and it was community-based organizations that are coming together to try to bring, um, try to have a more of a community voice in running the police department. 
Um, and that's something um, we've never really had in Chicago. Um, so this was definitely something worth um, pursuing for sure. And just as a little more background, and we'll talk to uh, Desmond about it. This came or a version of GAPA. We can argue to what degree it actually uh, resembled what GAPA wanted. Almost passed at the same time that the reforms to COPA and the Deputy Public Safety Inspector General passed. From my memory, it was the members of GAPA who pushed Rahm, Rahm Emanuel at the mayor at the time, to not rush that to get through. Um, unfortunately, what we've seen now is we're now, I think that was in 17, so we're now th just coming up on the third third year, because I think uh, I have the data in my notes here, but it's about three years ago that COPA and the Deputy Public Safety Inspector General were created. We're coming on about a three-year anniversary, and GAPA still hasn't passed. The city council, our new mayor, have stalled on it. We're going to talk more in depth about it. We are so happy to have Desmond Yancey with us. Desmond, thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate it. Hey, thanks for having me. You are uh, most welcome. I'm really interested to dig into this. I have some questions of my own. Um, so let's go. First, tell us, what is GAPA? The, what is this sure. uh, um, um, organization or coalition? Let our audience know what it is. Yeah, GAPA is the Grassroots Alliance for Police Accountability. We're a coalition of community groups from across the city. We have a history working on like racial justice, social justice, and uh, community public safety issues. And so we came together in uh, summer, spring, summer 2016 uh, in response to the Police Accountability Task Force, which said that, you know, there should be a community oversight board um, that was kind of built and drawn up from community with a significant amount of community input, and that's what we decided to do. So, can you give our uh, give our audience what are the some of the groups? What group are you with? What are the other members of GAPA? Sure. So, I'm the coordinator for the coalition. Uh, other partners of our coalition are Inner City Muslim Action Network, uh, Community Renewal Society, which is a longstanding faith based social justice organization, uh, One North Side. Um, Southwest Organizing Project, um, Target Area Development Corp, and uh, always there's six of us, Jewish Council on Urban Affairs. Okay, wonderful. If people want to find out and view the legislation, and if they want to find out more information about GAPA, where do they go online to get that? Sure, our website is chicagogapa.org, and you can also find us uh, on Facebook. Wonderful. Okay, so we're going to go into the structure here a little bit of what GAPA is um, proposing. So GAPA starts out, if I, I'm going to say, at least in my perspective, starts out creating what they call community commission for public safety. And that community commission is actually created out of or of a process through these three member district councils. So how are the members for these three district community? Well, for first of all, what are these three member district councils and how are people um, selected to be on those district councils? Sure. So the district councils, uh, the, the three member district councils exist within the 22 police districts. So it's 66 representatives, um, three representatives per district. And we thought of well, the way we came to that number is when you look at the way police districts are set up here in Chicago, they tend to cover, you know, between two and four communities. So we want to make sure that there's an opportunity for representation from all those communities um, so that all the voices from across the city are, are heard during this um, this reform effort. Um, 
the their elected positions, so they'll be held during um, board of election uh, sponsored elections, where the community will be able to vote on who their representatives are to support them in this localized, this hyper local police uh, reform effort. And so the big role of the um, the district councils will be to elect or select the participants who are the select the people who will be serving on the the citywide commission um, to help evaluate come up with goals for the citywide commission for the police department for COPA. Um, but the biggest piece is for this like opportunity for people in the community to have a discussion about what public safety in their community looks like and then be able to have those discussions then move upwards to the commission, which will then affect citywide policy for policing. The commission. So, that, and, and, oh, yeah, go ahead, please. No, I was just going to say, so these three member district councils, are they uh, those members are uh, democratically elected? Yes. Nonpartisan elections. Mm -hmm. Okay. So here's a question I've had, and I've never had the chance to ask someone from GAPA. So um, I, I want you to answer it for me, and I'm sure you're going to uh, do that brilliantly. But so how are these elections, how are like progressives, how are reform minded people going to be more successful in these elections for these local district seats than they are for like aldermanic seats because an argument I hear from police and the other side is like, no, we have democratic leaders. They're the mayor and the city council. It's their fault they're not doing it, creating another layer of another set of elections. I don't understand how these people think they're going to win. This is what I hear from other people, how they're going to win those elections if they can't win the aldermanic elections. So well, how, think how, what does Gappa say to that? Yeah, one thing that makes this different, it's, it's kind of a one note election, right? When you're running for alderman, um, you could have varied interests. You could run on public safety, reforming public education, housing, you know, all of, any myriad of issues where this is strictly about having community voice with relation to the police department. So I think that kind of narrows down the scope of people who want to be involved in these conversations. Uh, it's also not a super high paying position. And so another, it's another, I won't say, the, the motivation for wanting to serve in this position can't be about getting rich, right? It's about really having um, and ensuring that the community voice is involved in these discussions about reforming this police department. You know, as you mentioned, uh, you know, uh, just for, for record, the Laquan McDonald uh, murder was six years ago yesterday. Five years ago, we, you know, youth in the streets fought for the release of this tape. And we're in this place now where um, many of those youth are adults and have children of their own six years later and are still crying out for justice. And to make sure that these people, these young people's voices are heard, having this opportunity to come in at this community level, like I can imagine some of these voices being um, serving as district council reps, right? And then really driving a discussion about what community safety looks like in their own neighborhoods. Okay, let's go, let's focus strictly on the council one more. Um... I guess two more questions. What exact powers will these councils have over policing in their district necessarily? Will they have any oversight on that? No, so what the, yes, indirectly, right? The work of the district councils will be to um, uh, meet monthly and make sure that they engage in the community around specific issues. So one way I like to talk about the role of the district councils and sort of the the, the power is in the space that they hold. Um, 
there's a gentleman that I spoke with recently who's a member of Inner City Muslim Action Network who several years ago was coming out of a barbershop. Police officer did a kind of a stop and frisk sort of thing. Uh, found out he had a background, told him he was going to put him in jail with some crack if you didn't give me somebody. He didn't have anybody to give him and that wasn't of his nature. So he ended up going to jail, being convicted of possession, right? Comes out of jail, um, living back in his community and is engaging in police reform efforts through Iman and the GAPA coalition. This is the sort of space where um, district council will hold space because um, we want to make sure that people who have been affected by police misconduct are involved in the discussion about what public safety looks like, how they want to be policed in their communities, but also uh, making sure that this widespread uh, abuses don't happen anymore. He's not going to walk into a police department and say, hey, I want to get involved in the CAPS program to have this discussion because <laughs> the way that, you know, it's just it's not housed in the right place, right? So some of that power exists in the way that it organizes the community to have real discussions about what the changes need to be made. And then those discussions then filter up to the commission um, and then affect the way that policy is written and approved for the police department. Wonderful. How does the council, how does the, the local district councils, what role exactly, what are the mechanics in the ordinance for how those district councils play a role in creating um, the larger commission, citywide commission? Sure. So one district council representative from each police district is uh, serves on the nominating committee. That, so you have 22 representatives, again, one from each district, which means you've got representation from across the entire city. Um, they'll go through a vetting process of candidates for an open position on the commission and uh, submit uh, recommendations for two people for each each open commission seat. In order to be nominated, you have to have a majority of 15 of the 22 seats. And so it, again, it makes sure that there's a broad um, broad discussion, but also a broad uh, cross-section of the city that represent on the commission. Okay, so you have this, I believe it's a nine-member commission. It's actually seven. What powers? The, oh. There have been some, there might, it's a different version of the ordinance, but it's actually a seven-member commission. All right. Yeah, I mean, it's it's been going, right? It's been active for four years and negotiations, changes have been made. It's, I'm sure it's hard for people right. just to keep up, all right? Sure. And especially since, unfortunately, and I've been in those rooms, unfortunately, a lot of this takes place behind closed doors. Um, it would be really interesting to see these negotiations if they were actually streamed, right? <laughs> I would be a fan of that. I've had my issues with those meetings. I will tell you, when we passed the police board ordinance, it was under ROM. He was only in a few months. Uh, Felicia Davis was in the room. Alderman Fioretti got the meeting. The Corp Council was there. Fioretti left like 10 minutes into it because he couldn't be bothered because doing his job was something he wasn't really up for. And two um, um, people, I'm trying to be nice, from the Intergovernmental Affairs Patronage Office were in the meeting. And we hammered out and worked out the, all the language and it was all done. And he says to us, okay, it'll pass. It was police and it was public safety. I think Rama just changed it. It'll pass public safety on, on this was like Thursday on Wednesday it'll, or Tuesday, it'll pass public safety. And on Wednesday, it'll pass the city council. And I looked and I said, there's no alderman in this room, but yet it passed the city council. And Felicia Davis mm -hmm. laughed. She goes, that's how it's done. 
And we geared up. We they had the police and fire had the hearing. We all geared up. We all had our testimony. We all went and testified. I was the last one. And the aldermen there are staring dead eyed at me, like, "What are you doing?" I got up from the you know in front of the city council, got up and started walking back. And before I made it to the area where normally the the audience sits, it had passed. Jeez. Right, Bing, 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 passed. And what I in that meeting, I mean, we should have known what was coming because in that meeting, one of my colleagues asked Felicia. Should we inform the chair? Should we, you know, go meet with the chairman? And she's like, don't worry, we'll inform him. Right? Like, don't worry, we'll tell him. <laughs> um, it was Balser out of the daily. Right. Balser out of the daily ward, which I forget the number. I know he shared an office with John Daly. So um, that is the way the city works. It'd be nice. Like, important issues like this should probably be negotiated in public. Um, cause you could hold public officials to what they're saying. Cause I'm, I know from experience, a lot of things get said in there and then they're never lived up to. Well, one okay. thing that was great about so, the process we used to get here is that so many of our discussions did happen in public. Like even the way we crafted the ordinance, we had conversations all across the city, uh, a couple hundred conversations talking to about 2000 people. Um, our leaders have been involved in every decision. So this has been a very like democratic process because we wanted to make sure that the voices were heard. Not everybody can go in the room when we're having a discussion with the mayor, but everybody's voice is represented and we don't make any decisions in that room um, without making, without, um, without coming out and having a discussion with our full team. So what is this seven member commission? What are their powers? So the powers of the commission, um, most notable, a few notable ones. One, uh, the superintendent selection process, which currently rests with the police board, will then come to rest under the commission. And so the process would remain the same, but what's different and what makes this better is that because the commission is representative of the community, then the community voice is represented in the selection of the superintendent. Um, similarly with the COPA administrator, we would use the same process. Um, they would also, the commission would also have the ability to um, have the final say. What we would like to have is the final say on policy when it comes to CPD and COPA. And so no policy will get passed, whether CPD created it or the commission, uh, without the commission's approval. And then um, lastly, if or most uh, part of the notable pieces, um, to be able to take a vote of no confidence in either administrator, the police superintendent or the COPA chief, uh, and then have that trigger action in city council where they would also have hearings in the public safety committee. Because um, if you've got a police superintendent that receives two votes of no confidence, uh, it forces the mayor to act. And all that is part of this process where the community voice is involved in public safety decisions. Okay, let me um, just let our viewers know, and actually you know, Desmond. So we are in a FOIA battle right now. And we'll probably end up in litigation early next year with the police board. We FOIA'd all kinds of materials from them this summer. Um, and around the selection of the superintendent, and they basically said, sorry, COVID, no, we won't even entertain it. So we have a lawyer's going to be sending them a letter soon. Um, Max Caproni, get ready. Um, because uh, if you don't respond to that letter, we will have you in court and I will... Um, take pleasure in putting you uh, on a videotaped deposition about how that mayoral, um, how the selection process got handled. In my opinion, there was no one on that short list um, for this around time around um, that was a credible competition to Brown. And I think it's come out that the mayor wanted Brown and already started holding meetings 
with candidates before the selection of the three members actually happened. So I am quite sure that that process was uh, significantly impacted by corruption, not maybe the corruption where there's, I'm not talking payoff or you know any illicit things, I'm talking the mayor had their person, the police board knew that, they gave her a list that was only person that could have any competition was her guy. And there are going to be no other competition to it. So um, once again, CJP Nation, another reason to get involved, to get more information about that and help us advocate for it. Okay, so what are the powers? Or, so you went over the powers of the commission. Does this commission have staff or is it just yes, the seven members? Commission, yeah, commission will be fully staffed to help uh, around policy discussions, uh, administrative functions, legal, research, policy, the normal stuff. So is there a is there a dedicated budget for GAPA? Is it a is it a percentage? I know I remember when we talked setting up COPA. I think it was a percentage of the CPD's budget. How is the budget determined? Yeah, we're still working that out, and we like the percentage of the budget. But it's been noted that um, with reforms, the police budget should go down, and we want to make sure that whatever budget is allocated for the commission for the district councils, that it's just enough to be able to do its job. Right, it's a tricky situation you're in. I, we're going to get the defunding later in this, but that um, I could see how that would affect. Like, we want one percent, one one percent, or one point five percent of the CPD's budget dedicated to this. Well, the but the CPD's budget goes down, so does the commissions and the district council. So right. I, I see that. We'll get into defunding because I want to ask you about that. Um, sure. So, can you, um, from your involvement, what were the what were the talks like originally? Because I believe the original talks that GAPA was involved with were under the Rahm Emanuel administration. What were those like? Were they were they completely resistant? Were they semi open? What 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 was that? What was that early time like? I wasn't with the coalition then. I joined uh, about a year ago. But what I do know is that um, you know this wasn't an ordinance that Rahm was fond of, right? Uh, you know, there's been some notion out that. This ordinance, that the GAPA ordinance, is Rom's or Lori Lightfoot's ordinance, depends on who you talk to. But the fact is, if it was either theirs, it would have passed. So I think that there was some tension there, particularly when Rom presented, uh, I think Alderman Raboyeris presented two competing ordinances at the same time. And so it was clear that there was an attempt to muddy the waters and not provide a real, uh, a real attempt at police form here in Chicago. Um, and so we're hitting all the hot spots for CJP today. I'm telling you, we have uh, coming out in the next, hopefully before the end of the year, we have studied 20 years of agenda items and activity of the uh, what was police and fire and now the public safety committee of the city. So we're going to see just how little reform has gone into that council, that committee. And ladies and gentlemen, we are going to be able to put aldermen, we have all their tenures on those committees. So when you hear these loudmouths coming out and speak on things, you'll be able to put the fact that they were on the committee. One in particular I'm thinking of, but I won't mention here, was the chairman of that committee for a short period of time and did nothing with it, which is what most aldermen do when they get on those committees is nothing. They take orders. They're loud about it when they're free to do it. But then when it's time to actually put, you know, the tire meets the road, the rubber to the road, they don't do anything. This is why we're in the situation we are in. Um, and why um, I would say minimal, in my opinion, and I helped build a lot of the police accountability system in Chicago, minimal reform has happened since the Laquan McDonald videotape came out. Um, 
it's in my opinion bare minimum. It's nowhere near what Chicago needs. But um, all right, let me and you weren't with them at this time, but let me just get your opinion on it um, from being involved as you have been. I remember that we had a press conference, oddly enough, with Lori Lightfoot speaking at it in June, I think of sixteen, um, where we were t- Ron was trying to push his version of COPA, his version of the Deputy Public Safety Inspector General, and more or less his version of GAPA, what ended up becoming GAPA. He just wanted it passed right away. And we held a press conference to push him to negotiate and to do it better. But now we hear, we're here four years later and GAPA still hasn't passed. I'm wondering, like, were we... I'm going to include myself in that because I took part in that press conference. Were we wrong? Would a weaker version, would a Rahm Emanuel weaker version of GAP have been better than where we are now with it? Is nothing has passed as around this community co- you know, commission? I mean, my gut says no, right? Because, you know, there's been, um, even just in the last few months following the protests uh, around you know, George Floyd, George Floyd's murder and um, the way that police have been responding, not just to those protests, but also um, the disparity in black and Latino communities around the way police enforce, have enforced COVID rules, right? Like it's clear that this, or no, what has happened is some departments across the country have made these symbolic gestures around police reform and Chicago just deserves better. You know, again, this, you know, this young man was murdered in the streets. There was a cover up, the cover, you know, if you look at who was punished and how they were punished um it's just not enough right and that you know the his his murder was the catalyst for the discussion that we're having right now around police accountability and an oversight board if you look at rom um putting together the police accountability task force with then you know uh, citizen lori lightfoot like things have come to a very interesting place right now um, and I think that we're in a place where we, can, we should be able to be fighting for the, the most so that the reform efforts can happen now. Uh, if you look at the use of force recommendations, right, or if you look at the way the city's responded to um, the consent decree deadlines, this is clear this is a department that is either unable or unwilling or, or incapable, right, incapable of reforming itself. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. And I, I think that, you know, there was a fascinating article and I think the Ohio State Law Review may have been Virginia Law School, University of Virginia Law School, but I think it was an Ohio State Law Review. Um, and I'm trying to get the professor on the show. She talks about how the focus on prosecuting individuals in cases like the Laquan McDonald case, we're prosecuting Jason Van Dyke and um, the officers who did the cover-up. And although I think there were many, many, many more, and many bosses got away with a massive cover-up in that case. Mm-hmm. Um, but let's not go down that rat hole right now because we'll never get out of it if we start talking about the details. But the focus by communities and organizations like what you're involved in, my organization, we focus so much on criminal prosecution of the cops and not that that shouldn't happen, that we're, we miss the structural we miss addressing the structural change that needs to happen. And to some degree, I agree with that. It doesn't mean James, Jason Van Dyke shouldn't go be, be in prison because I think he should be, right? But I think we, we sometimes are satisfied by seeing a cop, what really happens, but we see a cop get prosecuted. 
Like, cause somehow that's the reform that's going to lead to change. And I bring this up with the Brianna Taylor case in, in Louisville. I think the biggest problem, and I, I like her murder, I wish she was alive and fine and happy and everything. I'm not trying to say in any ways, but I think the biggest problem is that's a drug war death. They raided that house or apartment, whatever the apartment, at 1230 at night looking for drugs. They didn't have any suspicion that anyone was violent in there. The bigger change to make sure that never happens again isn't prosecuting those cops, even though I think they should be prosecuted. It's the drug war and the system in which that warrant got approved by the bosses in the police department and the courts. So I just, I, I'm bringing that up because it came to mind. I want to get your take on those issues. Well, you know, you're right. Like we tend to find some some small amount of solace when a police officer gets arrested and convicted, but it's also often not enough because it's not a deterrent to other police officers who are having these same sorts of behaviors on the job, right? Um, when what the, the GAPA ordinance seeks to create is like front end accountability, right? Like there are issues um, that can be meted out during the process to evaluate officers to become police or candidates to become police officers. The, you know, if um, officers should be tested for PTSD, right, or even um, performance enhancing drugs, because we do know that some of them see this as a tough job and they want to get bulked up for that. And there are um, there are side effects to those sorts of things, right? But then there's also stuff like training. Uh, you know, I've heard from from officers who have told once they get out in the field after the academy in certain communities, no, we don't do that like this here. This is how we do it here. And so it's a structure and a system that allows for these sorts of behaviors to happen. And what we seek to do through the commission is to uh, enact policies, to evaluate current policies, to um, have conversations with folks in the district to be able to identify some of those officers that either are problems or could be problems uh, so that we don't have another Laquan McDonald shooting, or we don't have a system like the one that murdered Breonna Taylor. Okay, so from your, I know you weren't intimately involved in the talks under Rom, but have, have your, the, you've been with the coalition for a while now. Is there, at least in their opinion, as far as you know, is there a difference in the tenor of the talks between the Emanuel administration and the Lightfoot administration? Or at least was there in the beginning when she first came in and you, you were engaging her? Yeah, I think there was, right? The GAPA ordinance was a part of her 100-day, um, you know, freeze up, part of her 100-day platform. And can you hear me? Uh, we can. Okay, just making sure I can't see anything. So we were part of her 100-day platform and uh, GAPA groups had uh, gone into negotiations of ordinance. We were meeting with, with the Chicago Police Department. Um, and other partners to make sure that this was something that had wide uh, investment. And then it was in March when uh, it really started to feel like this was more of the same um, from the Rahm administration, where um, it wasn't a word that was changed in the ordinance, it was just interpreted differently. And that was the impetus for the slowdown um, back in March. Okay, I was going to ask you, what was... So you noticed it back in March, the change. What Was it over a specific issue? Yeah, it was around who would have final say in a policy dispute between uh, the police department and the commission. Uh, the commission's view was that it should be the commission. And um, at the time, the mayor's view was that it should be the police department. And one of the 
or that it should be the mayor. And one of the, the, the reason why GAPA believes it should be the commission is that because the commission is built in the spirit of collaboration. And so if there's a, a policy that we're having trouble passing uh, or getting agreement on, it's that spirit that GAPA will use to try to figure out how we get to the place that allows us to create the policy that we need for the time. Um, we believe that if the mayor is the tiebreaker in that situation, well, the mayor and police superintendent's interests are typically aligned and see that as more of the same, right? It becomes that the, and if that happens enough, then it just cuts all the legs out from under the commission, weakens it, and then goes back to the symbolic reform as opposed to real reform. Was there any talk in the discussions to have the city council be the tiebreaker? because they seem to be left out of a lot of this. Yeah, we didn't have those discussions while, um, well, we haven't had those discussions with the mayor's office since uh, March when discussions broke down. So I'm not sure um, what they think of that position. Okay, so from GAPA's perspective, the mayor walked, was that the single issue why the mayor walked away? Uh, it's was the this biggest final say, or were there others? That and the vote of no confidence. Uh, it's her preference that the vote of no confidence not trigger any action in city council. Um, just that the commission takes a vote of no confidence, and that's it. And again, we want real reform, not something that looks like it on the surface. Yeah, that I don't. That makes no sense to me. So, she's just gonna. There's gonna be a, a vote of no confidence by this commission. And the mayor, which is her or anyone else, could say, I just don't care. They're wrong. Right. And then use right. the millions and tens of millions of dollars at the mayor's uh, fingertips to spin it, um, to invite journalists in. I don't, I, I agree. I don't like that. I don't like that at all. That seems um, symbolic more than anything else. Right. You're right. Okay, so you took part in the hearing yesterday in front of the Public Safety Committee. Is that correct? That is correct. Okay. Chicagoans, unless you watch that committee hearing, our Justice Media Project, which scrapes all the media in Chicago every two hours, I searched it this morning. There was one article, one published on that hearing, one, ladies and gentlemen, not in the Trib, not in the Sun-Times, not on Channel 2, Channel 5, Channel 7, Channel 9, 32, or BEZ. It was published by the political newsletter of sorts. I don't know what you call it, the Daily Line. Right. And um, it was a reasonably thorough article, I will say, but that was the only one. It's amazing to me that the Public Safety Committee could hold that hearing, and there's absolutely no media coverage. Why do you, Why do you think there's no media coverage of it? I mean, I don't know. I think that, um, I mean, there, there could be, we've been having this discussion for a while, right? Uh, there could be some media uh, apathy about this. Uh, you know, we were 100 days, we we're supposed to pass this ordinance. We're somewhere for something, maybe. Um, and it, this could be another one of those things where they just don't see that this is going to get done. Uh, we as a coalition are still going to keep fighting for it and we'll bring um, media attention where we can. But you know, you're right. I think people should be more involved in this discussion. I mean, there are a couple of ordinances that are out there. 
Um, ultimately, it is about the future of this city and the future of our police department, and people should have uh, a lot more knowledge about what's going on. Do you have any insights from your work on what is going to come from Mayor Lightfoot's pending proposal? At least from the media, it um, seems like she's walked away and is going to go her own way. Yeah. Um, don't have a lot of insight. I know she's not crazy about elections, so I wouldn't be surprised if she tried to find a way around that. Um, but, uh, you know, we know that she liked the GAPA ordinance, and so she probably may pick and choose the pieces that she liked from that ordinance and incorporate it in whatever she puts together. Which imitation is a great form of flattery, but you can have the real thing instead of trying to create something that looks like it. Do you, all right, what do you make of Alderman Talafario's apparent flip-flop from a year ago or so supporting GAPA to, and having the commission uh, have the power over policy and um, trigger the um, a no confidence votes triggers city council action to now saying it should all pretty much reside in the mayor's office. Yeah, we feel it's a flip flop. We called him that and went to his office a couple of weeks ago to tell him how we felt about it. You know, it's um, it's I think his his comment was that it was uh, about the mayor's political future, which is you know it's hard to hear that the mayor's political future is more important than the future of the citizens of this city, particularly the black and Latino and uh, uh, LGBTQ communities, immigrant, all the marginalized communities who are bearing the brunt of this police misconduct. One would think the answer would have been, I think this is best for public safety. I think this better achieves the spirit and goals of the GAP ordinance, and this is why. I, I saw that in the newspaper, and I was kind of floored. Brand Spielman called uh, I me think and that told should me have been came out, <laughs> and I was floored too. Yeah, I mean, that's Fran's job. Fran seeks out a controversial quote and makes an article out of it. She's really good at that. Um, I've been in the presence of Alderman when the phone rings and they're like, I'm not answering that. She's trying to get some me to throw some, you know, get a flamethrower at someone so she can write an article. Um, I am not a Fran fan. Although I will tell you, since we have a couple minutes, to just tell you how um, – I have big issues with Chicago media, which I probably shouldn't say um, hours away from hosting a press conference. But um, when we were passing the police board reforms, trying to pass them, we published a story during the budget time. So about now in 2009 on 10 years of the uh, cases and decisions from the police board. And they were holding some hearing and it was like in January, I think. Don't remember the exact month. And I'm on the I'm in the back of the city council and I get a call. It's a full city council meeting. I get a call and it's it's Alderman Fioretti. So I go back, I go out of the city council chamber to take the call. And he's like, What does your report say? What are the what's the um what are the findings? So I still tell him he goes, No, 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 no. Say it to me like you're writing an article. And I'm sitting, I'm standing next to Fran. I'm gonna dictate it to Fran. Okay. So I start like writing an article in my head and like I bet 70 to 80% of what I said made it into that article the way I said it. I was never quoted and she never called me for a quote for the story. Mm. <laughs> it's like, right, it popped up in the sun. I think it popped up on the Sun-Times website in a few hours. But I was just like, 
holy cow, this is how this happens? No wonder things are so screwed up. <laughs> um, anyway, so that was my Fran story. Okay. Do you have confidence that the mayor will pass her version? Uh, no, I don't think she has the votes for it. You know, there are 29 supporters who signed on the GAPA. Um, I think there are 19 who have signed on the CPAC. I think it, it would be bad for it to even push it. You've got groups that have been doing this work for a long time. Uh, we've put in uh, a lot of hours talking to folks in the community uh, to craft these ordinances and for her to go her own way would be, a, uh, I think, a bad idea. Yeah, I do too. Um, I'm sick of ceremonial, uh, useless gestures that are done for PR. And um, if their excuse for doing this is that the mayor is politically liable for what the police do, well, that's not a good enough reason. Right. Um, that's a kind of an outrageous reason. She is politically liable, but it's it's sadly in Chicago, it's never really hurt a mayor. I guess you could say it hurt Rahm. I guess finally the cover, I think, honestly, I don't think this may be bad to say, but I don't think the killing of Laquan McDonald hurt him. I think it was the cover up, right? that he, he held that tape for so long and then I got forced to release it and it was clear he did it to win re-election. I think that's what ended up killing him. All right, two, I got a yeah. few more questions. First of all, I'm going to start with, so what will this community commission, when they're charged with creating policy for the police department, will they, will their, they and their staff be doing research to see what are the best practices around the country. How are they going to be basing their decisions on whether to approve a policy or craft a policy? Yeah, it's exactly that, right? They'll consult policy experts across the country, talk with other departments, um, especially if there's like some emerging policy to see how that's been happening, how that's been working in other places. It's going to be a, you know, we'd like a full shop, right? With people who do research, uh, legal experts and the whole nine yards. Because again, we want to make okay, sure that the policy like yeah. that. I'm going to say that answer. Um, I can get a hundred percent behind. Um, I um, I have my own issues. I've written an op-ed, so just I should have said this in the beginning. My fault. I've written an op-ed. I was asked to write an op-ed in Cranes, and um, I supported Gappa. So I just want to make that clear to everyone. Although I'm not really doing a hundred percent journalism here. I run an advocacy organization, so. Um, but I I supported Gappa. I was I'm happy to I'm, um, I take solace in that answer because, I I don't know like I think we have a problem in this country that is. And people on the left think it's only the right. I think it's the left and the right to some degree where we just. We've turned our backs on expertise on knowledge, on people. Um, I just think we have turned our backs on those and um, we can, let's just get into CPAC. I don't know if you gathered 50 community members from every community and had a one night session, they could easily draft a complicated policy on how a 13,000 person paramilitary organization, because that's what police are, should run. And that to me as a criminologist that scares me i am scared of um i know when cpac originally came out 
I had heard things from their from their supporters like we're going to have seventy seven different police departments. And I, I was like, "What?" And I'm like, "And I am as white and as straight male as you get. So take this for what it's worth. You can slap me down for saying this. I think that might lead to that." I would think of all kinds of chaos involved in that, but that might lead if the community was completely controlled over the police in their community, that might lead to better policing in those in the very specific community. That might. I'm worried about who in the community would have it and who doesn't have that power, and then those people in those communities using it against the people who don't have power because I don't trust anyone in power. But I worry about how we have such race problems do mostly or almost all white communities on the north side are then they in control of their police and then are they pushing the police to go against others are we then getting into a place where it's not necessarily safer uh people of color to drive anywhere in chicago but it, unfortunately it's safer than it used to be <laughs> that's a bad thing but it's i mean it's a bad that we're still not where we want to be but it's better than we were and progress has been way too slow but that just scares me. I don't know. So what were your thoughts when you heard 77 police departments? I mean, well, good thing is not, I will say it's not in the current CPAC proposal, but what's troubling about yes. that, again, it's just like this, this insular thing, right? It's like the more that we, um, pardon the, the pun, like build walls to separate ourselves, the more that we um, uh, find the tension and when we meet, right? And so to have uh, one police force, but to have the voice of the community involved in the transformation, that's, I think that's the key. Because if you look at the DOJ um, uh, consent decree, if you look at COPA, if you look at the police board, if you look at all these things, none of those involve the community voice, right? And so in order to transform this big department, and it's a big job, it's a 13,000 member paramilitary force, um, it's going to take a bit of innovation, right? It can't be just the people in the room trying to figure out how to build, how to fix it. It's got to be the people that are affected by this department that have some say so. And then you have these communities being able to have a different discussion about how they're policed. And that's ultimately where community safety lives. It's when the community feels like they have a voice in their safety plan. Right. And I, I take, I, I'm hearted because I do want community involvement. I think if we were to put it on a referendum in the next election, do we like, and we could just, I think we could take probably 20, 30 examples from around the country. And one of them being that I'm going to harp back on it to Brianna Taylor. Do we want cops? Do we want the police department violently searching, serving warrants where they break into these houses when they're only looking for drugs and not trying to apprehend someone where there's imminent violence at risk? or yeah imminent violence at risk do we want them breaking into houses for that at any time of the day let alone at 12 or 1 or 2 o'clock in the morning i think things like that i think there'd be an overwhelming if presented properly there'd be an overwhelming majority of people would vote for no and though and they would vote in restraints if we could honestly have the conversations um so for community involvement in that way i think is great um, i'm heartened to think that um, I'm glad I supported GAPA. I'm proud of that now. That there would be looking at what's going on around the country, what's working, what isn't working. Um, 
I think that could definitely help if you could take that information and then bring it to communities and educate them on the issues and bring in experts and have those discussions. I think that's really powerful. So um, that's just my two cents, which I keep sticking in here. Um, Defund the police department. It is, it is, but I'm supposed to be letting you talk. Um, Defunding the police. Where is GAPA um, on that? Do they have a position? Um, and what is that definition? Because I know there's people hear that word and they, they run to the most extreme definition of that. And I'm going to say quickly, my definition is I think we need to stand up a completely new public safety agency. We need to give the Chicago Police Department, every major metropolitan police department, a due date, an end date. Two or three or four years from now, you no longer exist. And we're going to stand up a completely new organization that is going to have a piece of what you all do involved. But it's also going to have integrate mental health treatment, drug treatment, uh, a new hotline that is not bringing armed cops to things that don't need armed cops, but brings a medical response, a mental health response, a public health, a public health, public safety response that isn't armed people. Um, I just want to clarify where I am on that. I'm wondering, has GAPA talked about that, if they included that in their discussions? So, uh, the way I clarified defunding the police when people ask is they've been defunding public schools for years, right? It's pulling away money away from it. And I agree with you. We need a new public safety model because you don't need guns to solve every problem. And there are problems that we try to solve today with guns that we didn't solve 10 or 20 years ago or 50 years ago. And so, yeah, I'm in agreement that there needs to be a new model. Um, GAPA as a coalition, um, we haven't had the discussion about where individual groups stand, but what we do believe it's a discussion that believes uh, needs to be held with the community right and so um what the commission does through the district councils and through all this the community engagement that exists throughout the entire ordinance it allows them to have those discussions so if it's a community um say third district which has some south shore and um uh, neighboring communities right if they want to have a discussion about how they are policed and that discussion is different than a department like Chicago Lawn or maybe somewhere in Jefferson Park. Like let those discussions have so that the the impact that is felt is by the people who made the discuss decisions about how the police should be funded in their community and how public safety should be addressed in their community. Yeah, I have um I think that's a good answer. I have long advocated well, let me back up and say would GAPA be in a position if this community council gets um, created? Let me not do it when. When your version, GAPA's version of the community council passes, let's make sure that happens. When that happens, do you does GAPA see itself as a vehicle um, to uh, push, to launch, to, um, I guess we'll, we'll stay with those adjectives, to um, more front-end controls? And I say that because because you've mentioned front end earlier. I think the police accountability movement needs to shift. We can still tweak the back end. In fact, we have an ordinance about doing that um, that's being rewritten now. But I think if we don't want them going in at 1230 at night and breaking down a door for drugs, if we don't want them putting their knees on someone's neck, if we don't want them using chokeholds, if we don't want them doing these things, the city council has the power to make it against the law to do it and not reliant just on the police department policy. So 
do you, do you does GAPA see this commission as launching and encouraging and furthering those discussions? Yeah, absolutely. Again, it's you know the if you look at the way most public entities work, there's like public input when it comes to developing policy. If they want to put speed bumps on a street or change the name of a, a block, right? Like all this stuff happens, and there's community involvement. The Chicago Police Department, which is forty percent of the city budget, um, which causes you know tens of thousands of dollars a year in misconduct settlements, um, there's no public input in the way that they do their job. And so to be able to have that avenue to allow the community to then talk about this, to have some say-so in the budget, to have some say-so in the way that the communities are policed, or to have some say-so about um, the way uh, policies are written to prevent just those things that you talked about, uh, that's that's super important. And I think it's, it's, it's going to take a lot to turn the, the ship around, but I think that this influx of... Um, energy from the community having a voice I and mean, nothing like this exists nothing like what we propose exists anywhere else in the country like there are other police commissions but none of them have this this two-tier system where you've got this overarching citywide but have this component that is so close to the ground so that the people who are most affected have the best opportunity to use their voice so this is innovative and it's a big deal and we're really hoping uh, and working to get this passed as soon as possible all right last question for you and this comes from our facebook page um, so I'm going to say Laurie, so abnormal is your tag there. So that's what I'm going with. Will GAPA have some say in controlling how resources are spent and managed within the department? Yeah, absolutely. The way we uh, have set up the ordinance, the, uh, the commission would have some uh, role in uh, determining the budget for the police department. All right, so you would be able to say, yes, do this, don't do that to some degree. Yeah. Okay, all right, one last quick question. Compensation, for, this is uh, from Larray again, if I'm pronouncing it right, please correct me if I'm not. Um, how, does, how do the people from, what's the compensation for members of the commission and for the district advisory councils real quick? Sure, so the district councils pay a stipend of $500 per month. And we see this as a part-time role um, for the community engagement work. Yep. The commission itself is in line with other commissions. Twelve, I think it's twelve thousand per member, and then fifteen thousand for the president. Yes, that's directly in line with the police board. What the police board members get paid? We tried years ago; they were getting the chairman at that point was getting twenty-five, and they were all getting fifteen or twenty, um, and that was for like maybe 10 hours a month if they reviewed the wow. materials which we all doubted they were doing um yeah so um yeah i have no problem just from uh, my putting my two cents in again but right before we close i have no problem with these people getting paid um i just think we need to ha find mechanisms for all these people um to have accountability to make sure they're doing the work um because we don't want them phoning them in if we're going to pay it but um I, I want to thank you so much for this. Um, I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to us. I really appreciate you taking the time to clarify some things. The media reporting on this has been awful as the fact yeah. that not any major television station or the newspapers reported on this, including WBEZ, the radio station, reported on the hearing yesterday, or at least had until when I looked this morning. Um, Desmond, thank you again so much. Um, hopefully, if we see some progress, we can have you on the show again. Sure thing. Thanks a lot, Tracy. Thanks for having me. All right. Thank you, man. Take it easy. You too.
Oh, oh, oh.